Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back. It's episode three of Making Monsters for Windy City Gridiron. Oh, Dylan. We're here. We're here. Um, Yesterday wasn't the best of days for the Bears. What? Did something happen? (laughs) I I haven't been really looking at the news. I've just been, you know, just blissfully uh, unaware. I tried to make a little little joke today on Twitter to lighten everybody up, and I uh, posted an edited photo of Justin Fields with some fans and edited... uh, Jersey Jerry in it oh, into yeah. it just to get some laughs because I feel like after easy yester- target yeah I was like after yesterday we need a little lightheartedness um obviously Roquan requested a trade that's a that's very big words to hear because yeah. Roquan is one of the best linebackers in the league Roquan is probably the best player on the Bears roster right now. I wouldn't even say probably. It's a definite in my eyes. Yeah. And uh, some people may debate like certain things like Justin Fields could be it, but we're talking right now in this moment and what's been proven. And Roquan's been that guy. Um, He's he's steadily gotten better. He's steadily gotten more comfortable. He's consistent. Everything you could ask for for a guy like that. And we were talking about it a little bit earlier, like the comparisons between Darius Leonard or whatever Darius wants to go by now. Um, And Obviously, his numbers with like sacks and QB pressures and all that. But we were talking earlier, Dylan, and Roquan's just that's not the linebacker Roquan is. Yeah, he's not really a pass rush kind of middle linebacker. So for that, um, he wants to get paid the top yeah. linebacker in the that, league, I mean, which would yeah, be understandable. Yeah, he's asking rumors were 22 million, which is three million more than what the best linebacker, top highest paid linebacker is getting paid right now. Um, this, this episode isn't about this, but I feel like we could not go into this without talking about Roquan Smith. Uh, he's obviously in his fifth year option with the bears right now. So that makes a lot of things sticky. Uh, and I think that's the, what I'm kind of focusing on right now, your mindset looking into this. Do you think Roquan will be here week one? As of now, I still think he's going to be, um, I heard this trade request and I think a lot of bears fans saw it initially and all freaked out. And rightfully so. I mean, you never want to hear a trade request. But I think the trade request in the NFL these days definitely doesn't mean the same thing that it did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Look what happened with Debo Samuel. I mean, like, that was purely, like, it wasn't just a money thing, supposedly. It was a money thing, and he hated it the way he was being used. He didn't like the coaching staff or whatever. Yeah. Lo and behold, a couple of months later, we have an extension. Yeah. And then, like, last year with Xavier Howard and the Dolphins, same exact deal. Trade request, he's still a Dolphin. Yeah. So, like, I'm definitely not at the point where I'm just, like, Roquan Smith's gone. But at the same time, like, it's not a good sign, no. plain, plain and simple. And like he clearly is frustrated enough to where he wants to make it publicly known. And um, something else I saw yesterday, which is kind of interesting, was that since Roquan was on the pup, he is no longer on the pup. 
But since he was on that list, he wasn't available to speak with the media. Yeah. And so this was kind of his way as letting the media know that like, he's not he's satisfied with, with yeah. the way the negotiations have gone so far. So, I mean, it's just, it's not a great situation you want to be in. I do get it's part of the business. Yeah. I'm not at the point where I'm upset with Ryan Poles is how this has gone down. Mm-hmm. If we get to the season and this has still not been resolved, then it'll be a different story. But yeah. the way things are right now, like, it's the way negotiations go. It's the way the NFL goes. Roquan doesn't have an agent. He represents himself. Yeah. It makes it a little bit more complicated. So at this point, like, I just want to sit back and, like, kind of take a look and hopefully things get worked out. But at the same time, I wouldn't say I'm feeling the best about the way things have gone so far. Yeah, because I think that I, there's a couple ways to look at this. And for me, I was in, like, full panic mode in the morning because I was like, no, like, yeah. Roquan honestly was probably one of the highlights. No, definitely was one of the highlights that the day we drafted Roquan was one of the top five moments for me in the last five years. It was awesome. Um, and because we haven't had a lot. We haven't had playoff wins. We haven't had a lot of very good seasons. I would say the top of that is the NFC North clinching game against Green Bay. But under that is, is drafts, and that's Roquan and Justin Fields. Um, so there's a lot of that top five moments for me that are just because I saw potential in a guy and I was excited we got them. And then now you're potentially losing that guy. Um, but like you said, there's a lot of sticky stuff going on because he, he does, uh, he doesn't have an agent. And so for example, if a team did want Roquan, not only would they have to give enough to the bears that the bears would say yes, but then they would also, because of the fifth year option side of it, have to negotiate a a deal, a long-term deal with Roquan before Roquan would go there. Uh, Because Roquan doesn't want to go to another place where they're just like, Oh, we're going to lowball you because that defeats the purpose of what's going on. And he's representing himself. So he doesn't have a whole lot of traction in that. Um, unfortunately, with the business, these the the owners are millionaire billionaires. So yeah. they have a little more say in some of that stuff right now. But I don't know. We'll see. It's going to play out, um, hopefully for the better, because yeah. I love Roquan Smith, and I would love to see him remain on the Bears. He be a bear for life. Yeah, I, mean, like, I really, truly want to see him on the Bears for as long as he can play football. Yeah, and like we kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday, but like, Middle linebacker definitely isn't as valuable as a position as it used to be necessarily, or mm-hmm. like isn't the most valuable position on defense even. But being the middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears means more than being middle linebacker for any other franchise in the NFL. And I know that some people might be like, oh, it's so stupid. Football's football. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Like if you're a running back or a linebacker in Chicago, it means more. Yeah. And I think that we, he just is one of a line of great middle linebackers. It's just like, how could you let this guy leave? All those other guys were lifelong bears, with the exception of like Erlacher at the end got a little, you know, a little spicy yeah, yeah. there at the end. It didn't have the, have the best end, but like at the same time, like he even came back and retired. A yeah, bear, and that's the yeah. same thing. It's just like all of these guys were taken care of, and like all of these guys were French were franchise staples who led us to Super Bowls and won Super Bowl mm-hmm. and won a Super Bowl. So like at the same time, it's just like having that impactful leader on a defense is so important, and yeah. like. He's not old by any means, but on this roster, like he's still he's still on his first contract, so yeah. he technically p- falls under our purview. But at the same time, he is like a veteran in this in this locker room because he's been there for yeah. probably longer than a lot of guys on the roster right now. Yeah, and I think for uh, that position group in general is uh, lacking. Um, I think that's an one of our weakest. Yeah, one of our weakest position groups, and we have a lot of weak uh, weaker position groups that. Or I I don't even I think there's a lot of questions. It's a lot of we don't know quite what they are yet. So automatically you kind of say they're on the lower end because they're not these big star names that other teams have. Um, But anyways, that brings us to the episode this week, which we are going to 
focus in on the wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. Pass talked- catchers. Yes. Yes. Pass catchers. So we had uh, Clay Harbor. Clay Harbor was a tight end for Philly and in Jacksonville for a while. And I, I want to say maybe eight or nine seasons. Um, but he is from Illinois, so he's a Bears yes. fan. So he's been all over the place. He's been at Bears camp. He's been at Jags camp. He's been at Philly's camp. Philly. Philly camp. Eagles, yeah. Yeah. So he, the baseball team for a second. Not the Phillies. Yeah. Um, and so he's got to see a little bit of everything. He's seen Trevor Lawrence. He's seen Justin Fields. He's seen Jalen Hurts. He's seen A.J. Brown. He's seen Christian Kirk. He's seen Darnell Mooney. He's been all over the map during this offseason. So I thought it was a really good person to talk to, to try to just get in the mind of, like, where do these position groups sit? Um, and also Justin Fields in general, because the people catching the balls are catching them from Justin Fields. So it's kind of an important part of everything. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, obviously, there's a lot of injuries right now, and that's probably um, a concern because what do you do right now? Even if these guys come back week one, Dylan, there's, they're, not, they're missing two, three weeks of practice in all of the preseason games, and that's when you really start to get that game time speed and start to really click with your quarterback, especially since Eberflus said he's starting the starters. So Justin Fields is going to be out there. He's going to be throwing the ball to somebody. I'm assuming we'll see Darnell Mooney and St. Brown, Aquanimous. I've been working Aqu- on it. Aquamius. Yeah. <laughs> Aquamius. Um, I'm trying to really practice to say that name because for some reason I struggle and I have a feeling we're going to be saying it a decent I mean, amount this season. That, the way that camp's been going, supposedly. Yes. So So a few just to run through. Some of them, Brian Pringle, By- uh, Byron Pringle, Quad. No timetable for him, but I read today that Flus is optimistic. He'll be back week one. Yeah. Uh, Valus Jones is day-to-day, but... From what I've heard, it sounds like he's making way and he should be good to go by the time the season starts. Nikhil Harry's the one that I wonder about. It's his ankle. It just says unknown. Um, and for me, he's fighting for a roster spot. I think that Valus and uh, Byron Pringle are not fighting as much to have a spot on the roster as Nikhil Harry is. So that one's interesting because now he doesn't have a chance to prove himself. Here. Yeah, I mean, a lot of him really at this point is just like, what has he shown so far? And does the coaching staff and does the front office buy into the potential? Yeah. So like... I think the, the thing that he has going for him is he presents a skill set and a body type that we just don't have in the receiver room other mm-hmm. than him. Yeah. So if he can manage to sh- convince the coaches that, like, hey, like, yeah, maybe I can't play right now, but, like, I could be a very important part of this team if you give me the opportunity. He just yeah. has to prove it. So we'll see. But Well, and I will say, though, St. Brown's a big guy. Yeah. And, he, and yeah. he's 6'5". He runs a four four eight. Like, that, I think, potentially could be what we do need. So that's why I think Nikhil Harry m- – is battling and yeah, it sucks and just, because just, he can't yeah. battle for himself on the field right now. Like you said, it's a few, a week of practice that's he's yeah. showing out for. Yeah. And like something else is just like, I feel like there are Bears fans out there who'd be like, if Nikhil Harry does get cut, they'll just be like, why did we trade this yeah. pick to get this guy that we just cut? It's it was so a seventh stupid. rounder next year. Just like, like relax. I mean, not like, even next year, 2020. And like, that's the thing. Like, we should be taking these opportunities. Like, I saw like a, a rumor the other day, and like, I had pitched this to you before this rumor even came out that mm-hmm. like, we should look at a guy like Jalen Rager. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of Jalen Rager, but yeah. like he was picked in the first round. Yeah, there are a lot of people who saw a lot of potential in him at one point. Mm-hmm. Why not take a flyer on a guy like that? You know, because yeah. like there's really not a whole bunch there at the receiver position. So like, no. as many lottery tickets as we can have, let's get them. Yeah. So I was reading an article today, and it it said I think it was from NBC Sports or something, but they were like potential wide receivers you could still get. Um, because the Bears, it literally was talking about how injured they are right now. And then number one was Odell. I'm like, he just tore his ACL in February, yeah. so that makes no sense whatsoever. Also, why would like Odell at this point in his career is going to go to a team that's going to be bad next year? Yeah, like, come on. Don't I, I mean, see it at, at this point, I think it's just when does he go back to the Rams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an if really. I think it's just kind of they want, want him to get healthy, and then once they feel comfortable, he'll go back there. So. Yeah. 
Um, all right, and uh, Dante Pettis. He's another one. He's a name that I've heard flashes of during camp. He's injured now day-to-day. Not sure a whole lot on that one. There wasn't um, a ton of information of what exactly it is, how long he's going to be out, the severity of it, any of that. But, I mean, that's four of the starters, four of the six. Four guys who are getting who should have been getting regular rotation in yeah. this game coming up, and they're yeah. just not going to be playing. Yeah, so, so it's not – and then like Dante Pettis, not to mention, like, He's a guy who, like, I really liked in San Francisco, and, like, you'd see the flashes, but his big problem is he could just never stay healthy. Yeah. So, like, this is well, not, here we an, are again. not an encouraging sign. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, we talked to Clay Harbor. Clay Harbor, like I said, has experience. He's been to all the camps. He's obviously played in the game, a tight end. So, we do address the tight ends in this interview that when we talk to him. So, there's some interesting things to me because – We'll get to them a little more after, Dylan, because I think it's just really important to see some of the things he highlighted. And I know that you already disagree on one of the things that he said in this interview um, when it comes to the comparison with Justin Fields that he gave to Jalen Hurts. But let's go ahead and jump to that interview. That way we can break it down a little bit and see what Clay had, had to say and what he got out of camp. All right, well, now we are joined by Clay Harbor, a former tight end. He played for Philly. He played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is uh, obviously I've mentioned on here before where I work full-time. This Making Monsters is kind of just my side gig because I love the Bears. I was born and raised a Bears fan, and I love talking about them. And uh, that's kind of why I reached out to you, Clay. So thanks for joining us because I'm super excited to get into some of these wide receivers and tight ends. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on lifelong Bears fan. I love talking uh, the Bears. Let's bear down. Let's go. There you go. Quick work, quick quick question for Clay. Mm-hmm. Since you are a lifelong Bears fan, who would you say is the Bear that you most like looked up to growing up? I grew up in a weird time. My dad would always talk about the 85 Bear, but after that whole group, like the, you know, the Walter Payton, the Singletary's, Richard Dent, there was kind of a downtime there, but it's funny because I actually played against these guys, but I always loved Brian Erlacher, Lance oh, yeah. Brick, Mike Brown, Charles Tillman. I mean, those were some of the guys that I really liked. I mean, I go all the way back to the Eric Kramer days, Curtis mm-hmm. Conley. You know, I mean, lifelong Bears, Marcus Robinson, the old receiver. Those were some of the guys that I grew up watching. Love to hear it. Yes, me too. Brian Erlacher is, like I said, I was born a Bears fan, but I remember – first watching Brian Urlacher and being like, I want to talk about football for the rest of my life because of this guy. Um, All right, so let's jump into it. Like I said, we're going to get to wide receivers, tight ends, but I do want to mention one thing because I saw on your Twitter and it caused a little bit of chaos between um, the Bears fans on Twitter because you kind of compared um, Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields and how much further along you think that Jalen Hurts is. And I know you are not – you like Justin Fields from what I've seen on your Twitter. Um, And I think there's obvious reasons. I mean – Hertz has that year on Justin Fields. He has a lot more weapons than Justin Fields. Justin Fields is going has new coaches and a new scheme and a new playbook in his second year. So there's a lot of stuff going on. But what was it that you saw that really was obvious that Jalen Hurts is ahead of Fields? Man, you really just said a lot of the, the things that I've been trying to explain to people that just watching watching Fields versus watching Hurts. You know, obviously like like what you just said, Hertz has a ton more weapons. Hertz has an extra year. You know, Hertz came in last season knowing he was the starter. This is the first time that Jalen Hertz or that um that Fields knows he's the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. But I'm seeing with Fields is he has the tools, he has the arm strength, he has the quickness, 
he he makes some great throws, but for me, he's just inconsistent, and that's what's worrisome for me. He takes he's taking a little bit too long to make some reads. You know, I've played with a lot of quarterbacks in my day. I've I've played with Drew. I went through a full training camp and preseason with Drew Brees and Tom Brady. You know, I've played with um, Matthew Stafford. I've I've played with you know a, a lot Michael Vick, Nick Foles. There's been a lot of guys. Fields is holding on to the ball too long right now. He's not as quick into the reads. But I think you can't compare him to a guy like, say, Nick Foles or Tom Brady, Drew Brees, because those guys can't run like Fields can run. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, so he's got different things that he can do than those guys can. So as a pure passer, he's got a lot of work to do. But I think what Fields is going to do, and you can't really see it when you're running – you know, team offense, and you're doing a five-step, seven-step drop. You're trying to get in the read. You can't, you can't really see Fields' athletic ability and playmaking ability. But looking at Fields versus looking at Hurts, Hurts is better at that team practice environment to where he is better. He can do a drop back, and he can get the ball out on time. Not saying every time he might hold the ball a little bit longer here, but it looks more consistent with him than when you know, Justin Fields is doing it. So Hurts, comparing them back-to-back days and back-to-back practices, seems to be better and more accurate than Fields. And I know that Hurt a lot of Bears. Trust me, I'm a Bears fan. I think mm-hmm. Justin Fields is a bright future. Right now, Jalen Hurts is ahead of him. Obviously, he's in a better situation, much more talent around him. He's a year older. But right now, Fields is a little bit behind him. Uh, you kind of touched it on You said right now. That's the big thing for you right now. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields is behind where do you who would you rather have long term? That's a tough one. I want to see I want to see how they both do this year. I think for for Hurts this is a make or break year. It, mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's oh yeah, he is. It's them putting AJ Brown, having Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, that offensive line, that defense, um, and a good running game. He's got to produce right now and show that he can be a division winning quarterback and can make a deep run in the playoffs. Or or he's you know, might not be the guy. Fields, I think long-term, with all his tools, with his raw talent, can be one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. Love to hear that. Yeah, I think long-term, Fields has more raw talent. I just want to see what he does with it. He's had the whole offseason this year. He's he's a leader now. He didn't come in not knowing that he wasn't going to lead this team. Last year, you know, he was was behind two guys. Mm -hmm. He had Andy Dalton pulls ahead of him he couldn't be a leader because he'd be stepping on toes if he was this year it's his team he's got a chance to go out there and show bears fans and show all the media everybody that's doubting him that he can win games he can produce so it's a big year i'm so excited to see how how both these guys do I am too, Clay. I think last year it was so frustrating for Bears fans because we were watching this guy that we knew had so much potential. And as we were sitting there at draft day, it, when when it said the Bears were trading up, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, we're about to get Justin Fields. This is happening. This is crazy. And then it was so frustrating to watch kind of how the coaching staff handled the offseason because he wasn't having any time with the ones. And then even when you got into the season, you feel like they never really changed that game plan to help Justin at all. It was always like, okay, well, this is what we were going to do with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. So we're going to keep this and maybe it'll work. And obviously it didn't because there was a lot of, there was moments of good, but there was a lot of moments where it just was not around what Justin Fields' strengths were. But I, I want to get to, obviously, 
the position you play, the tight end. Um, I love Cole Komet. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I was super pumped when we got Cole Komet. Um, I saw you saying there's there's comparisons there between Dallas Goddard and Cole Komet, and I think any Bears fans would be any Bear fan would be excited about that because I've loved seeing Goddard's progression this last four years. He's been playing; he's gotten better and better in my eye each year. Um, and he's one of those like versatile tight ends, which is what you want to see. So, what what have you seen from Komet at camp so far? Komet's been really impressive, right? But it's crazy because. There'll be times when I'm thinking, is this the reincarnation of Rob Gronkowski? You know, I played with Gronk. You know, I played with Martellus Bennett. And I think, <clears throat> first thing I know is Komet. This guy's huge. He is a big guy. You know, I'm 6'3", 6'4". I go on the field after practice talking to some of the guys at Bears camp. And I'm like, is this Paul Bunyan standing next to me? <laughs> this massive. He's 6'6", six 6'7", six, six, maybe. I don't know, 265. And he can move like a receiver. His physical talent as a tight end, trust me, I played tight end with some great tight ends, and I was very competitive. I always compared myself to these guys. And I ran a 4-5 at the combine, jumped 40 inches, but this guy is a physical specimen. And I think watching him in one-on-ones, watching him in seven-on-seven, I think he's got a ton of talent. He's going to have a big year this year. But he's got to improve to take his game to one of these top ten tight ends. He's got to work on his releases. He's got to work on some of his routes. But, I mean, that's that's nitpicking from me, knowing how the, the really good tight ends play. I think this year he's going to be really good. And I think in the future, I mean, he's, he's only 20. You guys realize he's only 23 years old? That's insane. Very young. He's, he's 23 years old. So, in the future, this guy's going to be one of the best in the game. This year, he's going to have a huge year. Signing to your fantasy team, I was very impressed with him, and I think he's going to keep getting better. Twenty-three, a lot of twenty-three-year-olds are living in their mom's basement. Cole Smith <laughs> getting criticized for having sixty catches and six hundred yards last year. I know he didn't score any touchdowns. He had Jimmy Graham coming in, and um, you know a lot of different situations there. He's got to get better in the red zone. I looked at a PFF about. PFF about Cole Komet, and he did have a number of red zone targets, like 15 or so, and he had no touchdowns. That can happen. No. I think this year, though, he'll improve on that, and I think everybody in Chicago will be happy and impressed with the way this guy can play. Uh, in the modern NFL, I mean, things have gone so much towards passing, and in, that, in the way that things have moved, it's made tight ends so much more important, and specifically the relationship between tight ends and quarterbacks, where tight ends have served as a lot more of like a safety blanket and the ability to like you know go in the middle of the field and open things up. How would you say that the relationship between Cole and Justin has looked so far in camp? Man, I think it looks great. I think Fields is looking for him. And that's what a young quarterback needs. You need a good tight end that you can rely on. And he's a big target. Like looking at Jacksonville, you know, I, I love Trevor Lawrence. I think it's a good signing with Evan Ingram. But I, being a small tight end, trust me, I'm, I usually like small – but having a big – target like Gronk, like Martellus Bennett, like some of these the old Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez type tight ends, there's something to be said for that. These guys, sometimes you can just throw it up to them, put it on their body, and they can get the ball. So I think that's going to be huge for Fields to know that he has that safety net that he can go to when he's in trouble. Uh, something you kind of touched on previously with Taylor. Um, last year, for the last two years, really, Jimmy Graham, uh, his role with the Bears was to run forward five yards and turn around in the, in the end zone. And that was very, he did it well, to his credit, and I think he did a lot better than a lot of Bears fans thought he was going to when they originally signed him. But he's not here anymore, and Cole Komet is going to have to be a lot more active in the red zone. Do you think he has the ability to step up like that? 
I think he does. You know, I love uh, Jimmy Grandpa. Um, <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Jimmy was in my draft class. We were both 2010. Jimmy was a second-round pick. I was a fourth-round pick. So I, we always followed each other. We met several times. I think he was a good player. But the thing that separates Komet to, to start, then we'll get to the red zone, to me, is, is he's a full he's a full service tight end. He's not afraid to block. Mm-hmm. Komet's a guy that can – you don't find that that much anymore. If you get a guy that can catch passes, that's what he wants to do. He wants to catch, catch passes. But the Bears, I think, are going to have to be a run-first team. Obviously, you've got David Montgomery you can hand the ball off to. I think he's great. I like Herbert as well. So I think run first, you got to have a tight end like, like Komet because he can block. You're not going to be forced to having a tight end on the backside of the run just to cut off. You can actually run the ball to the strength. So you're not cutting off half the field like you are when you have some of these tight ends in there. With Evan Ingram and Jacksonville, if he's attached, they're not going to run the ball to Evan Ingram. I, I, just, I don't see that happening because he's not big enough. He's not a good enough blocker for them to run the ball to the strength unless it's some sort of a zone scheme where he's coming back across the formation. To get to the red zone, I needed to see more from Komet. In the, in the practices I was at, he wasn't performing in the red zone that a guy with his size and ability should. I think it had a lot to do with his releases. He was struggling to get off of press coverage against cornerbacks and, and covered safeties. I'm going to be back at, back at camp on Wednesday and Thursday. That's one of the first things I look at to see how he's improved on that aspect of his game. So you're saying you say what you'd see a lot more Gronk than someone like Kelsey, for example, who's more of a receiver than rather a tight end. Yeah, he's more. He's definitely more Gronk than Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey runs like a wide receiver. Kelsey's a wide receiver playing tight end. Uh-huh. I think I think he's the best receiving tight end to ever play in the NFL. Travis Kelsey, the stuff he can do is pretty unbelievable. But uh, he, he's not a blocker, obviously. Yes, yeah, so I think he. Uh very much made it known that he wants to catch the ball and he doesn't want nothing to do with blocking. So I love that Cole is actually willing to do that because tight ends these days, not everyone wants to. So it's an important part of the thing, especially when you want to run the ball. Yeah. And I think um, obviously even with the tight end group as a whole, Clay, uh, just quick before we get to the wide receivers, because they also brought in James O'Shaughnessy, which obviously we're familiar with, with being in Jacksonville, and then veteran Ryan Griffin. What do you see as a whole for this tight end group? Is it a big step up from what the Bears have had recently? Huge step up, and I can't say enough about these two. What, what I think about these two backup tight ends of Ryan Griffin and, and James O'Shaughnessy, I think these guys are some major sleepers. You can go three tight end sets because, you know, Griffin, I think 10, 11 years in, O'Shaughnessy, eight, nine years in. Uh-huh. These guys have proven themselves. I've watched them throughout their careers. They were playing when I was playing. I remember always liking both of their games. They both can catch. They both can block. And that's why I love them. I think that you're going to be able to have a full-service group. You can go in and you can smash-mouth football. You're not going to have to have one of them split out. They can split out, but you don't have to do it because these guys can block as well as run routes. So now you can open up the play action. You can open up the, the run game. If they want to bring in linebackers, let's go pass the ball. If they want to stay with some safeties and some cornerbacks on the field, guess what? We're going to run it down your throat. I think these guys, the whole group, can really help the Bears, and they, they got to utilize it that, this year. Yeah, and I think that um, one of the biggest questions we have right now may be the wide receiver position. I outside of Darnell Mooney. I love Darnell Mooney. I think he's really proven that he can hang with the big guys, but the Bears need that big perimeter wide receiver that can get those 50-50 catches and battle for the ball deep down the field, and they... I, 
we're just not totally sure they have that. And then now with, they've also been hit with injuries. Uh, we saw Nikhil Harry get hurt, which these are all they were all questions kind of anyways with uh, Pringle, Nikhil Harry. Uh, there were a little bit of question marks, but they were getting more chances here. They were going to get their second chances, you could say, here in Chicago. Now they're both injured, so we're not quite sure what uh, to expect from that. But have you seen um, anything out of the guy, St. Brown, Bayless, Pringle, of the, of the time he was there that could be potentially that big guy on the outside across from Mooney? Yeah, for sure. Um how long? How serious is Pringle's injury? I haven't heard much. On uh, that. I think it's I saw it could be like a, actually like a month almost. He's got a quad injury, so, so I, he I get, should be back. Yeah, season at least you know game yeah. one two into yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, so I like Pringle. I think Pringle was smooth. I think he could catch the ball. He was he's probably like six foot six one. Could run good routes. I like Pringle. He's a pro. He looks like a professional wide receiver. Nothing game breaking out there, but he can catch the ball and get open. Um. Jones, what I saw in Bayless Jones, I think this guy is really explosive, really quick, and he runs good routes. He's just got really good quickness, but my question on him was how how does he catch the football? He just didn't seem like a natural catcher to me. I know he's a special team guy. He can return punts and kicks, but his hands, I'm watching one individual period, he dropped three passes. Ouch. So receivers don't drop passes in individual period, yeah. but then you period and I see him make a great catch so I think it's something he can improve on his hands can get better but he's got to be more consistent mm-hmm. Harry when I first saw him obviously he's going to be out for like six weeks when I first saw him I go holy cow who is this guy this guy he's, he's jacked he's 6'2 6'3 225 pounds he looks explosive In individual drills I'm like man this guy looks unbelievable but then we get to the team drills and he kind of disappeared a little bit he didn't seem like the same guy so I, I'm still – the jury's still out there. I need to see more of them, and I'm sure the coaches did too. So it's a tough spot to be in for Harry. Not You can't make the club in the tub. A guy that did impress me, though, was Equinemia St. Brown. Love to hear that. I mean, mm-hmm. how tall do you guys think this guy is without looking? Probably, like, what, like six feet? Yeah, I would say six. Yeah. This guy's six five, six six. Whoa. Whoa, I did not know he was that yeah. big. I had no idea. I had no idea. Who the heck is, is this guy? This guy, he's lanky, obviously, but this guy is six foot five. I mean, six six even. I don't know, and uh, two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds. And I, I was really impressed with the way he could move and catch the football. He was the first guy in the field every day. I think, you know, that we have something there in St. Brown. And um, besides that. Um, David Moore made a lot of plays when I was there. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to jump out at you, but he kept making plays. Dante Pettis was a, was a, was a guy that I – he just had great moves. Like his wiggle, his releases, his shake, he seemed like a player that could um, that could really play, and he, he made some plays too. I mean, there were some guys out there making plays. Isaiah Coulter made some plays. There were some – there's receivers there that can catch the football, but the thing is, after going to Philly – and seeing a guy like A.J. Brown and, you know, Dallas Goddard and Buzz Watkins and some of these guys, obviously we got uh, Mooney who can be, you know, that guy, but it's just a different level. Mm Mm-hmm. Clearly, and that's what that's what worries me. I think that we knew this off season wasn't. Uh, Ryan Poles and Eberflus came in here with almost nothing, like n- almost no money to spend. They had virtually no draft picks, no draft yeah. pick, so there wasn't a whole lot of wiggle room. Um, yeah. So I think we're just kind of hoping for the long shots right now. Uh, St. Brown is one that I know 
Dylan's a big fan of. He's also a Notre Dame guy. So is, those are guys we cheer for. But are they going to be your A.J. Brown? I don't Probably know. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, some, something you touched on a little bit, and uh, Taylor had mentioned it as well, Nikhil Harry's injury. He was someone coming into camp I was incredibly intrigued by. I loved him at Arizona State. I, would come back, I went back and watched his highlight tape from there. He's just such a dominant, big receiver. That's kind of really, I think, what we're missing. And then he gets his injury. And then... I don't really think he's essentially a lock to make this team at this point. Would you say he's very much on the bubble now, and do you think he's done enough to show the coaches he should still be here when he's healthy? I, I mean, it depends how many receivers they, they keep. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, it's a numbers game. If they're keeping five, you got Mooney, Pringle, Jones. They're not going to release a third-round pick. Both guys are making the team. And then after that, it's like, okay, who do we go with here? You got St. Brown. Do you like Newsom? Is Pettis going to make the team? Harry? So I think um, it's a tough position. I think it's it's possible that he makes a team. You start him on pup maybe, and he doesn't count against the roster. And when he gets healthy, you can activate him. So I think maybe something like that, if he's still going to be out, you take your time with him, you put him on pup, you make sure he's 100% healthy before you activate him so you can keep someone else. And the new rules in the NFL are wild. You can have like 15 guys on practice squad. They can be veterans. I just learned this um, at Eagles practice the other day. I said, what? And you can carry 55 guys on a roster. It's some COVID rules. So it gives you a little wiggle room. It's a little wiggle room. You get more more ways to keep your roster. So maybe you try to sneak them to the practice squad. You can have veterans on them. Why didn't they have this when I played? I could have had a couple of years. (laughs) A little more chance of it. Yeah, to go along with my nine active years, like, why not? More paychecks would have helped with that. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I think there's a way you can keep some of these guys around, and they're guys that can, you know, maybe on the practice squad, then you activate them, and they can come in and catch a few passes. Yeah, I just feel like he's not going to get the opportunity, really, to develop that relationship with Fields once the season starts, because I just feel like he'll be so buried in the depth chart, but who knows? Which stinks. I was rooting for him. I I I really was, too. Like, yeah, it sucks. All right, Clay, so we'll have a couple more before we let you go because I know you have been a busy man going from camp to camp. Um, I want to flash back to just your experience a little bit. So in 2010, when you came into the league uh, with Philly, Philly finished first in the division that year. It was under Andy Reid. Michael Vick was the quarterback. Obviously, Michael Vick is that first, at least that I remember, like, mobile quarterbacks that you just saw on the run and he was almost never in the pocket. How much does that affect – the offensive weapons around by wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. How much does that affect to have such a mobile quarterback? It opens things up, you know, and gives, gives the quarterback and makes them more dynamic. But here's the thing these guys got to be able to do, a guy like Fields is obviously it's going to help regardless, that you can get out of trouble and you can run for, say, 10 yards. But the thing that Fields needs to do when he scrambles more, in my opinion, is keep your eyes downfield. Yeah, you could run for that 10-yard first down. But you see Patrick Mahomes, he's scrambling not to run. He's scrambling, him and Josh Allen, they're scrambling to find the receiver. Mm-hmm. So instead of scrambling and running for 10, 15 yards, scramble and then find Mooney 40 yards downfield because there's nobody that's going to guard Mooney for six, seven, eight seconds when you're scrambling creating more time back there. It creates a whole new thing, and I, that's why – I don't like to judge Justin Fields off of the fact that he's not one, two, three, boom, one, two, three, four, boom, getting the ball out because he has that ability to create more time on the back end. If Trevor Simeon is back there, the Bears backup, and he's taking, he, he's not getting the ball on time, that's a problem. Trevor Simeon is not going to be able to get away from much pressure. But Trevor Simeon, that's, that's his game. 
So it's hard to compare. It's, it's literally apple to oranges in a lot of these quarterbacks. But these dynamic running quarterbacks can really open up the game. That's why you see so many of them being successful now. Um, something I wanted to see. So you kind of mentioned a couple guys that uh, haven't really been getting as much coverage. Someone that actually I've been very interested in, but I feel like his career has been really derailed by injury is Dante Pettis. Can you talk some more about what you've seen from him? Yeah, no, I really, I really, I didn't know anything about this guy when I, um, when I showed up. So I, I show up at practice and, you know, the first time I, I see this guy make a, make a move and I'm just like, oh, well, that was nice. Okay. Then he does it again. And he does it again. And then I start to look this guy up and I realize he was a, he was a second round draft pick. Oh yeah. I said, what? I said, this guy is a player and I'm not trying to know, like you look at his stats. I don't know what his stats are. I mean, last year, I think he had 10 catches for, you know, eight for hundred yards. His best season had 27 catches for 500 yards. But I think this guy's got a ton of talent. His quickness, he catches the ball clean. If he can stay healthy, he's got a good – I mean, he's got to make – has made a good case to make this team. The way he runs routes is special, and he's got a wiggle that is tough for defensive backs. Play like a guy who's got a crossover in basketball. You can't teach it. You can't teach somebody how to cross someone over like Allen Iverson. I don't care how, how long you try. He's got the natural wiggle that makes him hard to guard and elusive and, and messes with defensive backs. So – that being said, if he can stay healthy, I think this is a guy that can have a breakout year. Yeah, I mean, he really does have that natural speed and finesse. You saw it in San Francisco. And I do think the Bears, they haven't really had the chance to really get a lot of receivers, obviously. But mm-hmm. the guys that they have gotten have been a lot of these guys where it's been like injury hasn't worked out yeah. with like a guy like Dante Pettis or like it just hasn't been the right situation for Nikhil Harry or like all those things. Because like you got to take those wild cards because like if you don't, we're going to have the receiver room we have now. And like yeah. it's got to get better than what it is. So. Uh... <laughs> All right, Clay. Well, I'm, I have one more for you um, because I know being a Bears fan and then also playing for Philly, um, I want an honest answer. When Cody Parkey missed the kick, the field goal, how did you feel? Man, that's a that's a tough one. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is a Bears podcast. <laughs> because yeah, I mean that's a bittersweet feeling. Honestly, it was, you don't like to see it come down to the kicker like that. You know, for me, I you know obviously I felt bad. You know, for for the Bears because that's uh, I mean that's just a tough break right there. So I mean it was a bit it was pretty bittersweet to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. Just better for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a moment I will never forget. Um, I know you. I have one more quick because I just thought about it. I saw a little bit of your tweets on obviously. The offensive line, there's so many things happening right now. There was all the questions with Tevin. We had our offensive line uh, podcast last week, but what have you seen from the line? Is there a major improvement from last season, or are there just too many question marks to determine that yet? I mean, there's a lot of question marks, but, uh, you know, I think think there's improvement. I think that Poles is an offensive line guy, so he has – I mean, he has a plan there. Mm -hmm. So – I, I like the signing of Riley Reef. I played with him in Detroit. I know he's a veteran guy. I think he's a guy that's going to get his, that's going to get the job done. He's not going to get dominated. Then we have is Tevin Jenkins back? Is he not? I don't know. So is he going to play this year? So I want to give him another shot. This guy's got a lot of talent. Um, when Luke, Lucas Patrick gets back, I've heard good things from him. He started with with uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a good sign. I think Michael Schofield is another good sign. Mm-hmm. Veteran guy was solid so I think there's it's solid there and then you got maybe Kobe Whitehair um 
you know, Braxton Jones backing up the tackles. I mean, you got quite a few different things, uh, players that I think can play. So I think the line is in better can, better shape than it was last year for sure. These guys are they. You got some veterans mixing with some young guys. Um, Schofield and Riley Reef, they got pride. They're veterans in this league. They know what it takes. They're not going to get dominated. They're not going to let this line get dominated. So that's why I always like having a mix of veterans and young guys. Yeah, and I think outside of Jason Peters last year, there's not much way we can go other than up because it wasn't very pretty. But anyways, thanks so much, Clay, for jumping on with us. I know uh, you were busy, and I've honestly enjoyed everything you've been putting out on Twitter. Since I can't be there, it's fun to kind of see inside your mind. So thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate that, guys. Thank you for having me on. So uh, Jalen Hurts is better than Justin Fields? Okay, so like I kind of get what he was saying, mm-hmm. where it's the mindset he's just like, at this point in their career, you know, they're maybe a little bit more similar than you would think, but at the end of the day, I think that Justin is just such a better thrower of the football mm-hmm. when it comes to a guy like Jalen Hurts. And not saying that Jalen Hurts doesn't have the arm talent, but it's just the accuracy is a big concern with him. And I think Justin is, he's working on it, and he's yeah. getting better at it. But like at the same time, I do think like, at the end of the day, I'd rather have Justin. Yeah. And same. I think a lot of Eagles fans, the way they've talked about Jalen Hurts, they're, I think, they're optimistic because they have to be. Yeah. You know? And like, we've I think, been there. Yeah. Like, we've oh, we've I've been there. We had Mitch Trubisky as our quarterback for a <laughs> yeah. couple of years. Like, there's a lot of times where I convinced myself that he was going to be a Pro Bowler. Yeah. And not just because, like, he was a throw in name. Yeah. He deserved it. And like, MVP. So, yeah. MVP, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. It's a very interesting take of his. Something of him that he did say that was very interesting, or actually not really said, but more. There are a lot of players on this team, especially at the receiver position, that a lot of Bears fans probably have never heard about before. Mm-hmm. And it's really important, I feel like, to talk to guys who are at this camps like mo- almost every day because they're actually seeing these guys, what they're like on this team, with this, w- w- on the field. Yeah. And they're letting the fans know that, like, hey, like, this guy is actually doing something. This guy actually isn't terrible. This guy's terrible. Like, Kwame St. Brown is a perfect yeah. example. He's someone that, like, barely played for the Packers when he played. Mm-hmm. And supposedly he's been killing it in camp to the yeah. point where he's our number two receiver right now. Mm-hmm. So, like... That's, a, I think, a great insight that he provided to us. Yeah, and I think that for Aquamius, he, is that right? Yeah, Kinda close. close. Yeah, yeah, close. Um, yeah. We saw glimpses of him in Green Bay, and like I, I'm not going to lie to you. I couldn't, when we signed him, I wouldn't have gone back and been like, oh, yes, like I remember this specific play or this specific game. But as I've gone back and I've seen certain things, it was like towards the end of the season when they were resting players and he was playing and went off on this game. And so he has potential. Like I said, he's big. He's fast. He has what what you could ask for. It's just can he take that next level and be the guy opposite of Mooney? Because that's what we're talking about here. Like right now we have Darnell Mooney. We need another guy that's not going. So Darnell Mooney isn't getting double covered constantly. At this point, he could be triple triple covered. Triple. Yeah. And then nothing. Then what do we do? Exactly. Um, So that's that's a name I've heard a lot. St. Brown and obviously Clay Harbor mentioned him too. Another that I've mentioned, I've heard of the last couple days is Tajay Sharp. Yes. And um, Tajay Sharp in Tennessee, the first few years, he never went off. Um, He was a little bit deeper down into their wide receiver core, I think, other than that first year. His best year, a little over 500 yards. But in the three years, he had eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. He's that that very like toe touch on the sideline type of guy, mm-hmm. um, the a little more finesse type guy, which is fine. We're not asking. I I don't think Tajay would be the like number two, but I do think Tajay could battle to have one of the spots on the roster that could 
potentially help in such situa- in certain situations. You know, um, though I do remember one specific play when he played for Tennessee, and it was in the end zone, like back of the end zone, and he did the little like double toe, toe tap, tap for the yeah. touchdown. And you just love seeing those because not every guy can pull this that type of stuff off all the time. Um, so that's between St. Brown and Tajay Sharp. That's two of the other guys that I've heard. And pretty much right now, we need guys to get us through the preseason yeah. because ideally we're hoping that Valus and Pringle are good. And so with Valus, Pringle, and St. Brown and Darnell Mooney, it's not terrible. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, like our receiver room, like definitely is not where we want it to be. But I also don't feel completely hopeless. Like, as we said, like we've touched on some guys where we've seen encouraging things. Like, yeah. There, I remember back when Cameron Meredith was our best receiver oh on gosh. the Bears. Like I remember. that was that was bad. Yeah. Like it can get worse. And I remember yeah. like Josh Bellamy and like all yeah. those guys. That just, one year was just like it was awful. Yeah. And awful. like yeah. And so like I think that's very much like it could be worse. And like it doesn't look good right now. But like I do think that there is some potential in this receiver room. And like there are some positive things to go from. And like at the end of the day, Justin Fields is our quarterback. Yeah. And. That's something that I feel very confident in because yeah. I think he's going to be good. And, like, yes, there are things you can criticize about him. But, like, you see those flashes and you're yeah. just like, he can do things that almost no one else in the league can do. And he's got those elite skills that I'm just so excited to see blossom. Yeah, and like Clay said, this is Justin's team this year. Last year, they really did everything in the world to make it Justin feel like it was not his team, as yeah. in calling him the backup the majority of the year until – People got hurt, and then they'd throw him in. This year, this is Justin Fields' team. And a true franchise quarterback can take guys to the next level. And do I think that's going to turn Joe Schmo into, like, one of the best receivers in the league? No. But do I think that Justin Fields has the potential to turn guys like St. Brown and guys like Valus into receivers that we're talking about at the end of the year? Like, wow, like, this could be good the next couple years? I truly think so. And that's not even mentioning another name. Uh, Daz Newsom is another one that I've He's heard. He's returning punts, up. right? He's yeah. returning punts. Um, obviously, he has good hands. I've heard him like get thrown in the receiving a little bit, but he's he's small. He's 5'10". Um, so that's not the guy we're looking for yeah. opposite of Mooney. We need size. Yes, we need it. We need big. We need fast. We need strong. Um, but for that, we have Cole Komet. Cole Komet. Very big fan of Clay Harbor was a big fan. Clay Harbor was a very big uh, Gronk Gronk esque Gronk esque. Which, and I don't want people to listen and freak out and be like, he is not Rob Gronkowski. I think he was more of saying, and you pointed it out, like he's not Kelsey type tight end. He's not just a receiver. Tight end. He 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 does both. He can catch the ball and block. Which I I don't know about you, but I will take a Rob Gronkowski like tight end on the Bears. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like he is he is going to be able to provide uh, things that tight end should be able to do you know like he should be able to be that safety blanket for the bears when they need to and also at the same time if we're gonna be run heavy offense be able to not be a liability out there blocking so and i think that which he pointed to we need a a big step up in the red zone when it comes when from commit yes um that is just such an important thing for a tight end like that especially with that size to be able to do um because it should be an easy target for justin when you're you know you're on that the 12 and Cole Komet's in the end zone, and yeah, maybe there's two guys around him, but he's big, and he just throw can it up there. Just throw it up, and hopefully, you know, mo- hopefully Cole Komet's coming down with it. So that he was very high on the tight end room in general. Um, James O'Shaughnessy, which obviously was in Jacksonville, and then uh, with Cole Komet, and then with Ryan Griffin, that he's a veteran, been in the league around 11 years, so he has that experience with playing um, in those certain situations, the red zone situations, the first down situations, which I think one of the things we actually looked at 
Dylan, when we were talking about Colt, when we were looking at Cole Komet's numbers, was the amount of first downs he got compared to his receptions. Half of his receptions he turned into first downs. Or were probably some of them were maybe just short yardage, but he's that guy and he can be that guy, which we need more first downs. We need more things happening in the red zone. We need more touchdowns. Yeah, and like in the red zone, you do have a lot more of the plays you're running or a lot more like a play you'd run when you're trying to get a first down in a short yard short yard situation. Like, yeah. You're not going to see Cole Komet catching a 40-yard bomb for a touchdown super often, I don't think. Yeah. Might it happen once or twice? Yeah, but like but that's not what a, 15, he's there for. a 15-yard slant over the middle for a touchdown, that could very much happen. You oh, know? for sure. And so I think he's someone that I've really been encouraged with. I'm really liking the things I'm hearing about him and Justin's relationship and how mm-hmm. they've developed. And like, kind of going back to Justin a little bit, like, I just love the way that he's a leader of this team. I think something that you, I've heard in this camp is like, he's the kind of guy, if you mess up, he's not just going to roll his eyes and walk away. He's yeah. going to be like, why the hell did you mess up? What are you yeah. doing? Like, we need to be better. And like, not to say anything bad about Mitch Trubisky, but he just never seemed like a guy that was very outgoing and like a leader and a forceful personality. Like, he almost seemed kind of timid, honestly, to me. Mm-hmm. And probably a great guy. I've never heard anyone say a bad word about it. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, Justin is just so much more of a leader. And I think when you have guys like they do on this team that like, even though he is a young guy and like a guy like Cole Komet is older than him, he still looks up to that because he yeah. sees the leadership and he sees the hard work and he's like, I want to be better because of him. Yeah. And we saw a lot of emotion out of Justin last year and rightfully so. Like the the guy's used to winning and oh, yeah. he came to a team where he was just getting killed behind the offensive line. He was making some bad decisions. He fumbled the ball way too much. There was there was a lot of negatives, but we saw enough good that people were like, okay, <laughs> he was put in some of the worst situations you can possibly be put in um, as a rookie quarterback. But I saw I was at the game against Tampa and it was terrible, and he was pretty much crying on the sideline. And I remember at that moment being like, okay, this kid cares. Some people might have looked at that and been like, that's too much emotion for a football player. But I think that – I don't think he was necessarily crying that – or like, you know, that upset over a loss. He was that upset over like, this is – that was my fault. Like, yeah. I'm not moving the ball. I'm not doing my job of things, of what I need to do offensively. And when you look at the big picture, it wasn't Justin Fields. But Justin Fields is that guy that's going to take responsibility of the issues and, like you said, address issues on the opposite side, even when it may come to a guy that is a veteran. Mm -hmm. Um, I I thoroughly believe that Justin Fields will be the guy in Chicago that – brings everybody up to the next level but also is not afraid to critique them and be like – you know, we could mock Jay Cutler all we want, but Jay Cutler was the first one to walk up to the lineman by the helmet and be like, what the heck are you doing? You know, like he was that guy. And I think that Justin is a good balance of that, but also being a little bit of like the nice emotional quarterback yeah. that you need that wants to like rile up your team and bring them all together. It's not super often you would see Jay Cutler like hanging out with his teammates. Yeah. You know, like he had his friends on the team for sure. But like at the same time, it's just like Jay did Jay's thing. Yeah. You know? And so I do think Justin is a lot more of like, He's just got, like, a magnetic personality, mm-hmm. you know, and people want to be around him. And, like, it's so funny the way we talk about this guy. I've never even met him before. <laughs> but, know, like, it's just, like, like he – and, like, something the, – the, the, the place that I really fell in love with him as a quarterback prospect, I always liked him at Ohio State. But when he played against Clemson in the college football playoff, broken rib, manages to beat Clemson with mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, who was very much looked at as, like, the favorite going into that season, and – just gritted his heart out and and got them that win. And, like, that's the kind of player that's going to do whatever it takes to win. Yeah. And, like... That's what we need. I just... 
I don't see any way that Justin Fields fails the Bears. Yeah. But <laughs> I do see a way the Bears fail, fail Justin, Justin Fields. And that's the unfortunate part of, yeah. of it because we've seen it too many times. Um, looking a little bit, obviously, we have a game in a few days. Football. And yeah, it's here. So I'm excited, honestly. Like, I think this is the most excited I've been about an offense uh, preseason game in a while. Um, last season, I was just like, frustrated because they weren't starting him he was playing with the twos and there was just like I was just so angry at Nick Foles and Andy Dalton and Matt Nagy that I was just not there for it but I'm excited I'm like I'm so excited looking at they had the non-official depth chart for the game and I'm just going to cruise over some of this for some quick thoughts Um, obviously Darnell Mooney is wide receiver one. We could have, you know, predicted that. Uh, Velas they have, so he's injured, obviously. Dante Pettis is injured also. So that obviously carries some question with the wide receiver room. But on the other side, across from Mooney, they have St. Brown Mm -hmm. um, as the number two. Byron Pringle hurt after him. Nikhil Hurry hurt after him. Um, So I think we're going to see a little bit of Darnell, a little bit of St. Brown, and then we'll probably see Dante Pettis. We'll see Isaiah Coulter. We'll see Tajay Sharp. Um, A lot more of those guys, I think, but Flusetti's starting the starters. Yeah, you'd wish that there was a lot more guys that you knew were going to be on the team playing, Mm -hmm. you know, and, like, he's playing the starters, so obviously, like, he's doing the best he can, but, like, injuries, injuries, injury, you know? Yeah. So, but uh, to me, and like that, I think there's still going to be a lot of question marks around the wide receiver. But I am interested to see that connection with Fields and Mooney to see if that's grown even more. Um, to see with that connection with St. Brown, because everything I'm hearing from camp is it looks really good, and so I'm excited to see that. To me, I'm personally excited for this offensive line. Uh, left tackle, I don't know if I'm they excited. have <laughs> they have Braxton Jones starting at left tackle, uh, Cody White here at guard. They have Lucas Patrick at center. Lucas Patrick's hurt. We know that. So it's going to be must first behind him. Uh, right guard, Schofield, um, and then Riley Reef at right tackle. And they have Tevin battling Riley Reef at right tackle. And they have Larry Borum battling Braxton behind Braxton at left tackle. That I, it's weird because it's one of the most interesting things to me because Braxton, yesterday I heard, was going up against Robert Quinn. And he was on that left side and was, I mean... Holding, Holding Robert. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm so excited to see Braxton. Um, I'm excited to see that in general because I, I'm cheering for Larry Borum too. I'm interested to see what Tevin does. I don't know if he's even going was, to be playing. I was going to say, is he going to play really? I mean, he's only practiced, what, like two, three times? That's I can't so. see them putting him in, especially if it is an injury. Yeah, like <laughs> but I don't know. They didn't tell us much. Yeah, I don't um, think they're they going to Jatai, I forget, I just had it the other, Jatair. Jatairi. Jatairi, yes, that's yeah. what it is. Jatairi Carter um, at behind Michael Schofield at right guard, so we'll see him play there a little bit. Uh, Doug Kramer, obviously, behind Mustafer at center, so we could potentially see that. And Zach Thomas at left guard um, behind Cody Whitehair. So that there's a lot of young guys right in that little area, which is fun. And to think about Zachary Thomas, Doug Kramer, Braxton Jones, um, and Jatiri, all fifth, sixth, seventh round picks this last year, like for Ryan Poles. Yeah. Um, and that's not including some of the other guys that we'll name in a little bit. Just so obviously Cole Komet, Ryan Griffin, and James O'Shaughnessy. We talked about the wide receivers. Justin Fields, they have Trevor Simeon behind him, Nathan Peterman behind him. Um, I think we'll see very little of Justin, honestly. I think we'll see one or two uh, drives. Yeah, one or two we'll drives from Justin, quarter. and then a lot of Trevor and Nathan. Montgomery and Cleo. Um, Herbert, another name, Poles draft, uh, drafted late, 
Tristan Ebner, who's been talked about a lot also. Um, uh, he is another name that's been floated around. I think, obviously, we will see a little bit of David and Khalil, but I think they will focus a little bit more on those deeper backs, especially because David's coming off injury, too. Um, you don't want anything crazy happen- happening to that. Um, I'm interested to see the fullback situation. I haven't heard a whole lot You don't about hear that it. phrase too often. Yeah. I'm interested to see the fullbacks, but they are they are a fun part of football. It's... That- and I feel like I haven't really heard anything out of camp, so I don't know if like it's just not being talked about or if they're really not using them that much. I honestly am not sure, but yeah. I haven't really heard that name. Do we know if the Chiefs are playing their starters tonight? I, I'm i not sure. Yeah. Um, I would doubt it. Yeah. I, don't, I, think, I mean, we're not going to see like Mahomes. And I was honestly there, really. thinking about it yesterday because I was like, I get it. Like, you know what Patrick Mahomes is, but you don't know what Patrick Mahomes to Marcus Valdez Scantling is. You don't know what Patrick Mahomes to Juju Schuster is yet. Um, but I don't think I would no. really, really highly doubt it on this game. I do think that games two and three, especially three, I would say would you'd see a decent amount of the Chiefs starting roster, but... I wouldn't expect a whole lot, which I hate because it's going to be like our starters against backups for the most part, and that doesn't give you like a true idea of how they're doing. But yeah. even still, you can or still. If gauge. you're getting crushed to their backups, then you know you Concerned. have a lot, <laughs> a lot of work to do. Um, all right, I mean, just really quick, going through some of the other defensive side, obviously. Robert Quinn and Muhammad are kind of battling. Muhammad was, when Robert Quinn was talking about leaving, Muhammad was the guy that we were kind of saying, okay, well, he'll kind of replace Robert Quinn. But Robert Quinn's there, so now Muhammad's behind him technically in the depth chart, which is interesting. And they have Justin Jones starting at that uh, defensive tackle by Quinn and Kyrie's Tonga behind him. Um, Angelo Blackson is uh, right beside Justin Jones. And... Travis Gibson will be starting at the opposite uh, Robert Quinn on the other defensive end side with Mario Edwards behind him. Nicholas Morrow at linebacker. Uh, there's a lot of names behind these guys that we'll see a lot more of, obviously. Uh, Jack Sanborn, Micah Treadway, Carson Taylor. A lot of names that people are like, who? <laughs> I'll be honest. I was just like, who? Yeah, because uh, I don't know either. Uh, Roquan is our starting linebacker, but he is not playing. Um, Matthew Adams will be behind him. So that'll be interesting because hopefully we still have Roquan, but if we don't have Roquan, there's a major gap in that linebacker group. Um, Beside Roquan is Joe Thomas at linebacker and behind him is Noah Dawkins. We've got uh, another part I'm excited about secondary Dylan. Yes. They have on their starting depth chart, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Eddie Jackson, and Jaquan Brisker. That's a good secondary. I on Love paper, it. they brought Tavon Young, and a lot of people were saying Tavon Young was going to be starting, and maybe over Kyler Gordon, and it would be Jalen Johnson, Tavon Young. But they have Kyler Gordon on here, and so I'm super excited about that. Um, but we will see Tavon Young. We'll see, unfortunately, Kendall Vildor, hmm. um, DeAndre Houston Carson still here. We've seen him make plays. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he's for, a solid uh, depth uh, yeah. safety to have. So I'm not mad about that. Another guy means. they brought in during the free agency was Dane Crookshake. Crook Shank. I don't know exactly how to Couldn't say it. I think you. he was intended. I want to say he was a Titan. Um, I briefly remember him a little bit. Duke Shelley, obviously, out there. Draft Elijah, draftee Elijah Hicks. Um, so there's a lot of young guys, and that's what we're here about. So it's going to be, I'm super excited. I think the two main things for me is the offensive line and the secondary. Um, just because those ones have so much young talent and there's some really fun battles there. I think because the the linebacker group is just in shambles because of the Roquan stuff right now. And I think with all the injuries and wide receiver, I, I'm not as excited to see those. 
Um, but what would you say? What, what are you most excited about? Honestly, I'm just excited to see Justin again. Yeah. It's been too long. I just want to see him out there in the Bears uniform. And like, it just makes me happy to see him out there. And mm-hmm. I, I just love the guy. Yeah. I, I, I'm expressing the way that every Bears fan, I hope, feels that he's just, I think he's the future of this franchise. And I love to see how he matches with the new guys, with the new coaching staff. And it's going to be a fun first quarter to watch yeah. if even that fun, yeah, yeah. For, a fun after, first after couple that, it's gonna be a lot like oh, it's, yeah i think yeah. i i think because there's a lot of young guys aside from darnell montgomery fields um the robert quinn jalen johnson those guys but i think we'll still be seeing kyler gordon uh jaquan brisker i think we'll be seeing a decent amount of saint brown and um some of the who am I thinking of? Who's the running back I was talking about? Travis Ebner. Yes, and Ebner. So we'll see some of those younger guys for a decent amount, which at least is giving us a little bit of a a little heads up of what we have to look forward to the next few weeks leading up to the game because, like I said, there's a lot of question marks just everywhere. And we're honestly – there's the big question marks around wide receiver because we, there's no, like, they'll be back in two weeks. Not Not one of the injured guys has, like, a – They'll be back by this time. It's just more of like, oh, they should be good by the time we open against the 49ers, who, by the way, have a very good defense. So it's not like we could just throw whoever out there and it's going to work. Um, defensively, it's, it'll be interesting, which we'll obviously dive into that later, but they'll be going against Trey Lance probably. So, yeah. Is there uh, anything tonight that you would see and be like gravely concerned with, you would say? Are you talking about like our game Saturday? Yeah, or I don't know why tonight. Our <laughs> he game said Saturday. tonight earlier. And I, I, was like, I was like, no, yeah. I, I just I want Bears football here <laughs> so right bad. now. That's what it is. Oh, that, I mean, our game Saturday. Yes. If I, anything that I saw that I'd be concerned. Yeah, that you'd see and be overtly concerned with, you'd say. Um, I would. I'm more worried with this game on Saturday defensively. Yeah. I think to me, just because so many pieces are going to be missing offensively, I'm not letting that be a sign of anything. Mm-hmm. But that uh, defensive line and the linebacker group, because I get it. Like, Roquan playing, if everything figures out and Roquan's here, yeah, that's a step up. But there's still a lot of question marks around Roquan with the linebackers and then the defensive line, too. So I think, to me, if our defense is going up against a backup Kansas City and it just looks absolutely terrible, I'm worried. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with that as well. I also think it's important. Like, I don't want to see, like, I don't want to see dumb penalties. I don't want to see silly mistakes. And I know it's early in camp and you're supposed to get those things out of the way early and do all this. But at the same time, like, we've got this new coaching staff in here and I really want them to establish their presence of being like, hey, mm-hmm. like, we're not messing around. We're here yeah. to win. We're here to win football games and we're here to compete. And so I do think Matt Nagy at times was, he was a great guy. You know, like, I'm not going to say anything bad about Matt Nagy as a person, but yeah. when it comes to being Matt a Nagy leader. Matt Nagy and Club Dub was great. Yeah. There, but... When it comes to being a leader, though, I do feel like he had a hard time kind of giving the tough love. Like, I can never really think of a time where, like, he got, like, upset, really, with a player. It was kind of usually like he'd get mad at a ref every now and again. But, like, other than that, like, you never really saw any heated exchanges on the sideline, really. And I'm not saying you want to have that. Yeah. But at the same time, it is important to have a side of your personality that can be a little bit more disciplined. And, yeah. like, I haven't seen a ton of Eberflus so far because, like, we haven't had as much time with him. Yeah. But I don't think he's the same kind of guy as Nagy. Yeah. And he's a defensive guy. So a lot of those, a lot of times those guys do have different personalities and we saw with lovey smith it wasn't the case lovey smith was very quiet and he was one of the more like defensively quiet guys coaches you'll see but so i don't know i i i think it will be very interesting to see how everything kind of pans out but i agree i think it's going to be very important i don't want a ton of pre-snap penalties that's to me one of the first signs that discipline's not being not happening and we've heard that this 
these practices have been hard. Cole Komet said these are some of the har- the hardest weeks of practices he's ever had in football. Um, and Brian Kelly, I know, had some hard practices. So it, it's he's working them, and he's not taking it easy. We're seeing here, obviously, Dylan and I work for here in Jacksonville, and oddly enough, Doug Peterson's had some very easy practices and it honestly kind of shocked me he was given days off really early he started camp training camp like a week after he was supposed to the first few days of camp were like an hour long it, it's been very easy and i've heard Eberflus has not been that well if you look at what happened the hall of fame game wasn't the best outcome for the jags yeah so. and well and we're also have a bunch of injuries right now because camp maybe is a little difficult but it'll get them ready for the two sides uh, regular season yeah. yeah um yeah so We'll, I guess, get back to at this next week. Hopefully, we'll have some solutions. It's funny because last week I said, hopefully by next week, the Tevin stuff is resolved. And it looks like that's moved into a positive direction. So I'm going to say this now. Hopefully, next week, we have some positive news for Roquan Smith. And we're talking good stuff. Roquan Smith, like a five-year, six, five, six-year extension. That's what I want. We'll get around like a $20 million average year value. Yeah. Nothing really higher than that. And that's what I want He's happy. We're happy. And we're ready for uh uh, making monsters. Yes. Because we need Rogue One to make monsters on the defense. Um, all right. Well, Dylan, we'll, I'll chat next week. I guess we'll be able to recap the game next week. We'll see how um, many positives and negatives we have out of it. We'll have actual football to talk about. Yes. It's exciting. Yes. Yeah. And I think we uh, next week we're going to break. I want to say we should probably go to the secondary next week. We'll have a lot of stuff to take out of this game. So maybe we'll get to that next week. It's going to be a long episode next week. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, Clay Harbor, for joining us. And uh, thanks, Wendy Cindy, Wendy City Gridiron. This is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. We'll talk to you guys next week. Sounds good. <laughs>